HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin leads the nation in the production of specialty cheeses, accounting for 47% of the total? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm especially pleased to be interviewing a friend and colleague, Vince Razzanelli, currently working at Grafton Cheese, but more importantly, for our interview purposes, winner of the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award for 2017. Welcome, Vince. Hi, Diane. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's been it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It has. I'm when pretty we... happy to be on. Uh, I wish I could be there in person with you, but I'm pretty happy to be talking to you today. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is more fun in person because we get to eat pizza afterwards. I do like pizza. My, my <laughs> wife is actually making pizza at home tonight. Um, oh. I don't think she made the connection there, but I realized that um, <laughs> oh, as I'm good. sitting here waiting for the call to start. So I'm, oh, I'm okay. still getting pizza, but it won't be quite the same as being there with you and having a beer at Roberta's. So. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Okay. Um, so, as I was preparing to talk to you today, I was walking down memory lane, uh, cheese-wise, when I was reading your list of uh, cheddars to check out, because I used to work for 3D Cheese and be in on tasting meetings over the phone with Jason Hines of Neil's Yard Dairy. So I was so excited to be uh, about to talk about all those cheeses again. Absolutely, yeah. And that's, I mean, I've actually had a couple really, I think maybe three or four long phone conversations with Jason. He's mm-hmm. been an immense help um, and inspiration for this project as I've gotten going here. And mm-hmm. that's been sort of one of the, um, for me at least, one of the side benefits of this is just having that, that one-on-one time with Jason because he's just got such a 
an interesting perspective. Uh, he's been doing uh, it for so long. He's seen things go up and down and back up again. And right, he's, right. He's just so much fun to talk to. So that's, that's been really fun for me. Yeah, and he's so giving uh, in his knowledge and taste and everything. He's he's fun. You could taste the cheese when he describes it over the phone from England. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's his power. That's that's sales in in you know yeah. in in a nutshell. Really, is just getting someone to really be able to understand what you're talking about and and buy into it. Right. right? I mean, that's, right. I think that's why he's uh, an, as why good he's a legend as it. He'll, right. He'll always right. be a legend in our industry. <laughs> yes, definitely. Now, Daphne was in 3D Cheese before me. Uh, she had a brief time working with Deborah Dickerson, Diana Solari. So they were the 3Ds in Mm -hmm. 3D Cheese. Then she had left to start Essex Cheese by the time I worked with them. So it was Deborah, Diana, Roger, and Kristen on these phone calls to Neil Jardieri about every cheese. We discussed every cheese because they ship six weeks ahead of time. Sure. So we had to know what we were talking about. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of great um, palettes and, and minds on one phone call together. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> I, I, I wonder it's fun how to think m- back to that. And yeah, think, you know, what that must have been like, and what those phone calls. I mean, I think they still exist, right? Right, but they probably they do. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, today. yeah, yeah. Now, um, what was it that made you apply for the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of factors. I mean, I think for me, you know, I, I made a, a career decision just a little less than two years ago to mm-hmm. sort of dig into a particular style of cheese. As mm-hmm. I moved from my previous job at the Cellars of Jasper Hill to my current job at Grafton Village Cheese, where um, we make 99.5% of what we do here is cheddar, uh-huh. right? And so that, in, in many ways, was a, was a career choice to really narrow in and dive deep into one particular style of cheese. Okay. Um, and it was one that I, you know, felt pretty familiar with um, through Already. my work at Jasper Hill, but right. was really interested in digging in deeper. And um, so, it, you know, I, I would say it started with that um, mm-hmm. sort that of professional decision. move. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, as I got into, got deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, uh, which I just feel like I get deeper down there every single day, um, <laughs> I started to think, you know, how how useful it would be for my career and for my understanding of the style to have a better framework for what happens in the UK. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as you start to get into cheddar, especially as you're looking at the different styles of cheese out there that all lay claim to the word cheddar, you start to realize that there's a whole wide variety of different types of cheese that all say they're cheddar. Right. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways it's very unfair to, you know, to compare, you know, the the grocery store cheddar with the bandage wrap cheddar that typically sort of lives in the specialty arena of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's always been fascinating to me that those two can uh, live side by side in name only, if, if only in, in name. And be so, so different. And be yeah, so different. Exactly. Now, so it was immediately obvious to you in your application to study cheddar. That Absolutely. was that yeah. you and, weren't just thinking and, of, oh, what could I study? I'd like to go to Europe. Yeah, I mean, it would have been it would have been massively interesting to go to say France and look at Conte or <laughs> um, you know any other region, any other style. But it, it seemed like I was probably best equipped to dive into that world mm-hmm. and. Um, 
you know, it was it was pretty important to me as I was starting to brainstorm ideas for my application to have a narrow focus. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against anyone who came before me because they've all had really important work and have done, I think, have um, moved the needle forward in their respective um, uh, realms of what they were studying. Mm-hmm. But it was really important to me to to go to one particular re- region and look at one particular style of cheese, just because mm-hmm. if in you know, one of the main components of my project was being able to go twice, right? And you right. really can't afford to go all over Europe uh, twice mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. on, on the, the award on the money. Budget. And it's a generous right. award of, mm-hmm. of $5,000, but, you know, with exchange rates and everything um, mm-hmm. and just the pure fact of flying across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. it adds up pretty quickly. Right. So um, I, I don't think I would have been able to um, to make two trips. Mm-hmm. Had I had a broader focus. Okay, okay. And did did you get, um, did Niels Yard help? I mean, did they put you up? Did you stay with a friend or did you go hotel? I, I had a whole mishmash of different things. I, I mean, I... So I'm. I my first trip was in December, right. and I spent. I think it was about you know, two weeks and a day, and that includes sort of a travel day on either end of it. Mm-hmm. Niels Yard definitely um, helped with the logistics and planning, and I, I tagged along in several of their tastings. Um, but it was there were only a few days where I went to bed in the same place where I woke up. Um, <laughs> right. So there was a lot. So of you were on the road. The it was very exhausting, <laughs> very rewarding too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that it it, it does. Add up and right. uh, take a toll on you. Right. So, well, at least England uh, is small. What's that? It England is small. It, y- yes you know, and no. You, well, um, you know, so it's my, not America. It, it's it, it's certainly could be could be smaller, but it could be a lot bigger too. <laughs> um, the the trickiest part, really, or at least the part that was the most harrowing for me, was driving on the other side of the road. Oh, you um, did that. You drove yourself around. Issue, but I spent oh, enough gosh. time driving from London to West Wales to visit Holden Farm was the longest I was in the car by myself. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. you get used to it. And most of it's driving on the highway. So. Yeah. Um, we drove in Scotland. Had an uh, because I, 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 I really didn't time it appropriately because I arrived in West Wales at Holden Farm, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, it was snowing slash raining <laughs> and it was nighttime. Um, and I made it, but it was, there was a few moments where I was, completely relying on Google for my uh, safety and right, right. <laughs> for navigating the countryside. So I, right. I couldn't have done it without Google Maps, I'll tell you right, that much. Right, right. And it worked? It, it's not like uh, Vermont where it just punks out every once in a while? I, it, it's hard to know because you don't quite know uh, where else, what the other options were. <laughs> um, I, I got there. Yeah, uh, okay. So, yeah, it worked. <laughs> That's the ultimate test, I suppose. Right. Um, but I don't think I took any too far off the, off the map um, uh, routes. I mean, the, the the nice thing is that it doesn't get, even if it's raining, um, it, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really snow. It did actually snow in London, which is pretty rare when mm-hmm. I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the weather is, if a little bit gloomier than what we're used to over here, mm-hmm. not quite as harrowing as right. far as, you know, we right. got uh, seven inches of snow a couple days ago here in mm-hmm. Vermont. Right, right. <laughs> now, you chose six cheeses in at the outset. Have yeah. you stuck to them? Uh, I have not, no. Oh. <laughs> um, for a, uh, n- not for any particular reason. Uh, six, I think six might have been a little bit ambitious. Okay. Um, uh, and I, I actually wasn't aware, and maybe if I, if I misremembered it or what, but I could have sworn that Lincolnshire Poacher was bandaged, but it's, it's not. 
Um, okay, so I was wondering why you had that one in there, and I, of course, uh, having a faulty memory, thought, oh, maybe it is bandaged, and I yeah, just and don't I, remember I, it right. I think that was just a mistake on my part, to be uh-huh. perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> I thought, I could have sworn I remembered it being bandaged, but I'm also several years removed from being a cheesemonger. I mean, I right, haven't right. been a, a regular cheesemonger since the fall of 2010, so, right, you know, right. it could just be... Distance and time, and right. you know I'm getting old, so my well, memory is oh, going yeah, south. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> well, they didn't stop bandaging it. It wasn't like it used to be bandaged and they stopped. Yeah, I, yeah. So, <laughs> so, like I said, that was probably just a mistake on my part. Right, and um, right. for the Somerset group, um, yeah. I chose to narrow in on Montgomery's and Westcombe. Yes. Um, so basically, out of the six that I laid out, mm-hmm. um, which are uh, Halfed, Westcombe, Montgomery's, um, Quicks. Keynes and Lincolnshire Poacher. Yeah. Lincolnshire Poacher and Keynes, um, you know, quote, didn't make the cut, not because they're not interesting, but just because uh-huh. I also was trying to to narrow the project down a bit. Okay, um, and that yeah. is interesting. Okay, so uh, I think um, you went to Montgomery Cheddar first, or? Um, I have to think back, to, uh, try to remember the, the timeline of it. Yes. I, I did. Um, my my first day, you know, uh, you know, not counting the the travel day where you're jet lagged and kind of getting used right, to it. Right. Um, I, I, my very first day there, I went to the Arches, New right. Yard Arches. And, and had you had you ever there. been? It was a busy time. It was the first week of December. That's one of their busiest times of the mm-hmm. year. So they were very generous with their mm-hmm. time, and they actually put me to work uh, for most of the day. Um, but of I got course. to kind of see how that operation works. Mm-hmm. They've actually moved from one set of arches to another. Mm. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that. That looks. That's um, oh, since you've a been team effort, but um, Eric Meredith, um, who's been working there for a little less than two years, mm-hmm. kind of spearheaded that project. So cool. he was very generous with his time in showing me the new arches as they were kind of a work in progress. Now, did they the want a I, bigger I, I, arches, a uh, bigger, a bigger uh, plant? What? Why uh, did they move? It, Basically, a, a bigger everything. Uh-huh. And I'm not as, as completely well versed in the whole historical understanding of how the arches evolved mm-hmm. over time, but mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's a it's a bigger setup. They've got more affinage space. It's a better it's a better setup for the mm-hmm. types of cheeses they're aging. Mm-hmm. Um, more room to grow. I think a better office space. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's an improvement all across the board. Did um, they leave the previous place altogether? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. and it's not too far. I mean, it's a, I think Eric and I walked there, and it might have taken 10 minutes, if oh, even okay. that. Um, okay. So it's it's a walk away. Mm-hmm. So it's, it and it, I, I mean, I'll see it in a few weeks, so I can probably report back on exactly how, how it's changed. But, <laughs> okay. um, you know, it's it, it's a it, it's a big change for them. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. You're moving everything, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but they have a really fascinating operation there. I mean, yes. just in terms of the the scope, um, the, type, the the variety of customers they have, the variety of cheeses they deal with. Um, there's the aging component. There's the sales component. They've mm-hmm. got sales doing walkthroughs and tasting cheese, so they can talk about it more effectively. Mm-hmm. It was that was it was really fun yes. to see that part of the yes. business. It's um, quite a business. It's quite a it's quite a you know, company. Yeah. Um, now, so you go to Montgomery Cheddar. Were you completely blown away? Uh, it was, it was, I mean, the whole experience was amazing. <laughs> I mean, this, that uh, has to be on any cheesemonger's yeah. bucket list, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I was there 
with the Neil's Yard crew. We we mm-hmm. uh, they, they rented a car and I tagged along, um, mm-hmm. and we left pretty early in the morning. I think we I think we met at the Borough Market Shop at seven in the morning, which mm-hmm. you know I'm I usually get to work around five thirty or six, so it wasn't mm-hmm. too bad. But mm-hmm. um, you oh, know, but you had a little jet lag. Drove past Stonehenge, which is kind of a cool thing. I didn't realize that that was. Uh, on route, didn't uh-huh. make the connection at least. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so we went to Montgomery's first, um, tasted through, uh, see, I believe it was February and a little bit of March cheese. Okay. And, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, an amazing variety from one batch to another. And, yes. You know, this, this gets to... Uh, one of the one of the challenges I've had with my project, and you know, so I studied ancient history in college. I'm a you know I'm mm-hmm. a liberal arts humanities mind. Even if I have interest in science, that's really where my my brain goes. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you start asking these questions like, what is Montgomery's cheddar, mm-hmm. right? Um, how is Montgomery's cheddar now different than how it was five years ago? Different mm-hmm. than how it was ten years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and what will it look like um, five or ten years from now, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the historical perspective. With the Neil's Yard crew, mm-hmm. you know, they're selecting for different profiles. Mm-hmm. You know, they're selecting for their shops. They're selecting for wholesale. They're actually mm-hmm. selecting for the U.S., right, right? Um, based on historical understanding of what types of cheese does well in, in which markets. Mm-hmm. And it makes all the sense in the world for them. Um, but, you know, it does beg the question, you know, what, what is Montgomery's cheddar, right? right? Um, now, which I of have those a question three for can you. you say? Or are they, are they all Montgomery's right. cheddar and they're just different versions of it? Right. I have a question. Right? They, I, I think they used to, I presume they still do, use a different culture every day of the week? That's right, yeah. So, now, um, I remember uh, in your in, proposal, in, it says something about batches of cheeses being different, and you felt that that was an excuse people hid behind. But mm. with Montgomery Cheddar, Monday cheese is different than Wednesday cheese. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So they, um, this, this is definitely something that separates, I, I think, the the UK bandage cheddars from the American bandage cheddars. It's, okay. it's the barber's pint starters, right? Uh-huh. So this is something that Tom um, Tom Perry, who's my predecessor in the mm-hmm. uh, or in the DCTA world, he was a 2015 winner. Mm-hmm. Um, he was two years before me. Mm-hmm. He studied starter cultures, um, okay. and microbes, right, and had a whole range of different producers he visited, and um, it's a really fascinating project. Um, mm-hmm. And the barber's pint starters are, in so many ways, what makes um, British cheddar unique and mm-hmm. what really defines it in a, in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, there's other characteristics that happen after the starter is added, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as the cheesemaking process, as far as just the other milk, mm-hmm. right, from mm-hmm. these farmhouse cheesemakers, um, then the aging process. That's, right. that's a whole other side of this that right. I, I, was, I actually was very lucky and very excited to um, uh kind of taste a beta version of something I've been thinking about for a few months now, which was cheese that was made by Quicks and aged at Montgomery's and vice versa, right? Oh, so Montgomery's neat. That was oh, aged that's at great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not as familiar with their day-to-day profile, right. um, but by their account, I mean, this is with Mary and her team and Jamie, who drove mm-hmm. down um, mm-hmm. with you know her cheese in the back of his car, and we tasted <laughs> it side by side, and you know they both um, both definitely pointed to the fact that this cheese was quite different um, between the two of them, and the flavors were just a complete 
different range and a different spectrum of flavor, so the, right? So the so, aging does contribute significantly to the taste, and it made like four different cheeses. I think that's right, um, and so that's that's something I've been thinking about, and I'm actually working on a proposal to put out there to all of the cheese produ- the, the the cheese makers I'm visiting mm-hmm. in next month um, mm. to try and coordinate a massive swap among all of them. Oh, that'd be to, great <laughs> to try and really dig down into that question of the yeah. impact of affinage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I went into that, and I think everyone kind of went into that, expecting that the cheeses would be roughly similar to one another, right? Mm-hmm. But they they really weren't. You mean um, Keens would uh, quicks would stay quicks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or would yeah. be, or the you know the the quicks to compare the quicks aged at Montgomery's versus that same batch, a, a wheel from that same batch aged at quicks, that they would be roughly comparable to one another, right? Um, right. And right. and they they truly weren't. It's so instead that, it was um, four four different things. Yeah, yeah, and cool. you know, that's certainly one thing that um, I'm trying to figure out a good way to convey this during my presentation this summer. Yeah. But uh, you know, the cheeses really do taste like the place where they're aged. So they mm-hmm. we call that a, you know a cave or right. uh, an affinage facility or something like that. They call it a store. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the the cheese the, the the cheese tastes like the way the store smells. Mm-hmm. And my um, the, I spent the most time in the aging room or the store at Holden Farm, and I have a you know a little um, notebook that I was taking notes with me on on everything as I was going, and it still smells like that aging room. <laughs> like I still can open up that notebook and the, the pieces of paper smell like that aging room. Okay. So it's, it's such an evocative oh, that's um, experience. So, now it's time for us to take a break. We will be right back soon with Vince Razzanelli again talking about cheese, cheddar from England. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Sirchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. Hi, I'm back with Vince. Hi, Vince. Hi, Diane. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. (laughs) Anyway, so let's talk about another cheese, Westcomb. Did you already know Tom Calvert? I I had not met him before, no. Oh, Um, I'm surprised with all the, you know... 
socializing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe I met him at some fancy food show or something right, in the past, right. but I, I don't think so. He didn't look familiar to me. I knew who he was, and okay. I, you know, I did my research ahead of time to mm-hmm. kind of understand the business. But, and and frankly, um, Westcom is probably the cheese out of the four that sort of quote made the cut that I was least familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't even know how much was being sent over to the U.S. when I was a cheesemonger, you know, seven, mm-hmm. eight years mm-hmm. ago. Um, so I I was really excited to see that and um, you know their their operation is 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 a, is a really interesting one in mm-hmm. some ways a, uh, I think a really fascinating counterpoint to say Montgomery's right which mm-hmm. is just down the road only ten minutes away right um, but they've built these state of the art aging or state of the art store right mm-hmm. I'm trying to use the right terminology here okay. with a robot. Um, that um, they were, as far as I know, the first cheddar producer to, to bring that robot in. That's the same model that's now being used up at Jasper Hill. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so they're in some ways uh, coping with modernity in a, in, a, in a very different way than the other cheddar producers. And to be sure, it's still a farmhouse cheese. Mm-hmm. It's still a bandage mm-hmm. cheddar. It, it, but, it, but, you know, there's an interesting look towards the future mm-hmm. seeing that operation. But they don't, do they make more? Make more more yeah. than yeah. The others, Do they make more than um, the others? Yeah. Is it a bigger uh, operation? I think they're pretty comparable with Montgomery. Yeah. Um, that's definitely one thing that I that I was thinking actually on the flight home mm-hmm. was that I wasn't sure exactly how much all of them made. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, per year to kind of compare to one another. And yeah. as much as that information is valuable, I mean, I think if you say to someone that's you know uh, to to a regular consumer or even just a cheesemonger that someone makes two hundred thousand pounds of cheese a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that sounds like a lot, but it's really not in the right. grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now I'm interested. So uh, why did you pick Quicks over Keens? Um, mostly to because, uh, well, for a few reasons. I think the, the most important one was that I, I hear a lot about and see Quicks here in the U.S. Yes, right. And so this mm-hmm. this project is really meant to try and communicate and characterize this region and this style of cheese to a U.S. audience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, it, I think it would be uh, a little strange to not include Quicks, just given the fact that they do have, a, I think, a pretty strong presence here in the yes, market. Yes, they do. Um, they do. I guess so I just wonder. That was pretty much the main one. I'm and glad just to, to have hear. Some variety. Um, you know, that I think Somerset is certainly a, a part of the UK that people associate with cheddar, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's exciting things happening outside of Somerset as well mm-hmm. that still fit the mold of, yeah. you know, bandage cheddar. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy that you included Mary Quick, but I was a little surprised because she doesn't go through Neil's Yard Dairy, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yep. So I, um, you know, I, I was I was able to tag along with the Neil's Yard crew at, mm-hmm. in visiting Westcom and Montgomery's mm-hmm. and Holden Farm, um, and I, I scheduled the uh, the the quicks visit on my own. But I, you know, I've known Tom and and, and Mary for mm-hmm. you know just through cheese industry stuff. So right, right. that wasn't terribly difficult to do. Okay. And, and I think that um, there's a, a pretty good understanding among. You know, or between say Quicks and Neil's Yard, that you know the rising tide raises all ships. And right, right. That you know that the mm-hmm. category is elevated when either one of them does well. Right. So now, yeah. what is Halfed like? Um, the, the cheese, or the or cheese, just the, the, the cheese. whole experience. Well, because, they eat both. Well, so I, I, I was kind of blown away by what's happening at Holden Farm. Okay, um, it's a pretty. 
you know, as far as, you know, so I spent a lot of time thinking about both reading and thinking about Bronwyn's book. Um, mm-hmm. And Bronwyn Percival um, and her husband, Francis Percival, wrote a book. Probably, it probably took them several years, but it was published mm-hmm. this past fall, very timely with my trip. Yes. Um, and, you know, in some ways this project kind of evolved, you know, from being sort of a sensory, uh, with, with sensory goals. Mm-hmm into having some more of a kind of almost a political um, goal, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, it's when you start asking yourself questions, like, what is cheddar? Um, and how can you characterize a cheese? Um, and what's the future of cheddar? Mm-hmm. You know, you start to sort of wade into these very complicated questions. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm somewhat concerned about the future of cheddar, just as I think we all are about cheese in general mm. and, and good food in general, right? I mean, mm. there's just this this um, sort of stabilization and mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, and I, and I don't mean this in the um, in the, the the cheese sense, but the pasteurization, right? Oh, to make things okay. very safe okay. and very um, accessible to a broader mm-hmm. audience, which mm-hmm. is a very important goal in cheese. But there's, I think, in some respects, we're losing what's important about. Um, handmade artisan mm-hmm. cheese, and I mm-hmm. kind of hate the word artisan because it's been co-opted by you know uh, huge companies, right? right? But where what they're doing at Holden Farm, they're not making a lot of cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it ends up being about fifty thousand pounds is their maximum. Mm-hmm. It's all farmstead. They're not bringing any milk in. Mm-hmm. Their herd manager uh, Nick is uh, just a really sharp guy. He's really funny. He's very he's a social animal, but he's also amazing with with the cows mm-hmm. and very tuned in to making the best quality milk for cheese. Yeah. Um he also runs a mean Instagram account. I'm I'm convinced that they Holden Farm has the best cheese Instagram of anyone out there. <laughs> um and uh so he passes the milk off to the cheese making team which is led by Rob who mm-hmm. is just such a genuine sweet guy who's so hardworking. He still makes the cheese himself, mm-hmm. and he just he what he does in his free time is he reads old cheese books and he looks <laughs> for old recipes and old tips. That's um, great. And so they're trying actually to turn the turn the dial backwards and make it make a recipe that's um, you know almost a hundred years old. They're mm. trying to replicate that, um, and you know it's it's all well and good to have a good story and have good people, but then the cheese that comes out of it is outstanding. Oh, I mean, that's, great. We, uh, did we, you bring some home? I, I did bring some home. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the first one that um, that got eaten completely uh, <laughs> <laughs> to bits. Uh, and um, you know, so that we we graded or tasted through. This is part of the news art selection with Bronwyn. We, I think we tasted around forty four or forty five different batches. Oh my! And the worst one was still great. Like it was an amazing. Um, run of consistency. I think it spanned wow. four or maybe even five months of production. Wow. So, um, Did you taste those in one day? Uh, most of them, yeah. I think I, I think we might have done 35 or something, <laughs> and then we finished up the next day just because everyone was getting right. sort of pallets. How eat, does your uh, mouth survive? I mean, how, yeah. do you, how do you detect differences after 20? Well, um, it... it, it you do sort of get in a zone, I uh-huh. think. Um, uh-huh. There were quite a few of us there. Um, you know, so there's Rob and Nick and uh, Becky and Patrick. Becky and Patrick um, own the farm. Patrick mm-hmm. Holden is, um, uh, he's kind of a, 
he's kind of a big deal in the world of UK organic agriculture. So mm-hmm. they're an organic farm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's part of the Soil Association, mm-hmm. um, I think, at the highest levels. Um, and he, you know, he's in some ways like a patriarch of organic farming in the UK. Oh, cool. So it was them, and then a couple of the, on the cheesemaking team, and then me and Bronwyn, and then we actually had a, uh, uh, someone who was recording, Dan Saladino from the BBC Food Program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there were nine people there tasting. Mm-hmm. So you could always sort of take a step back right. and talk, with one, talk right. to someone else there. Well, so it there was, was like a party. To take a, 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 a it's break. like a party. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and we had a great time. I mean, uh-huh. the, it, it was, it, it reminded me in a lot of ways of some of my, some of the sort of seminal trips and visits mm-hmm. I had when I was first starting as a cheesemonger. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll never forget um, my first time actually visiting Jasper Hill. It was mm-hmm. the first cheesemakers festival. You were probably there. Mm-hmm. Um uh, back in 2009, and I stayed at uh, Zoe and Veronica's house. Oh, wow. With, uh, in the same, you know, we all shared uh, a room or, you know, slept on, you know, mattresses on the floor or whatever, but with Mike Anderson, Chris Muncy, Elizabeth Chubbuck, <laughs> like, we all, like, it was like this crazy bonding crew. Right. And most of us are still in cheese. And right. So, and that was, like, I was, I was a... 23-year-old, you know, uh, wet behind the ears, <laughs> cheese monster, say. and I was just like, wow, this is, <laughs> this this is, is something fun. I can see myself doing more of. <laughs> I had that same feeling at Holden Farm. It was pretty fun. Oh, cool. That's so neat. Now, um, so your plan is, your end plan is to make a bandaged cheddar website. Is that yep. still your, your end goal? It is, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not a web designer. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping after I get back from my next trip, which is just in a few weeks, um, I'm hoping to really spend some time digging into how to make that look nice. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I expect that it'll be somewhat in beta form. It's going mm-hmm. to be a, a right. work in, work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, um, that I've struggled with in a lot of ways, and but also I'm really excited about, mm-hmm. is you know how do you populate the the information on there? I'm you know being a sort of liberal millennial, I'm very skeptical of the authoritative approach to tasting, which is this is how it tastes and this is what you should taste, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really interested in trying to find a way to use the concept of citizen science on the website and to basically gather tasting data from cheesemongers. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge project to right. try and do that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the reasons why I narrowed the cheeses, just to right. have a, a slightly more... More time um, to think on the focus. end. But right. that would be one goal, and that's definitely something I'm spending a lot of time thinking about right now and kind of mapping out is what that could mm-hmm. look like. Um, now, are you mostly uh, interested in creating a, a profile, a taste profile? Or yeah. is it just uh, all things about bandaged cheddar? And 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 a catalog in a way, some uh-huh. some way we can start mm-hmm. to understand and see how it changes over time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other things, and again, uh, you know, I'm basically just telling you all of my uh, <laughs> all of the things that are giving me th- that are um, keeping me up at night thinking about this project. But mm-hmm. I'm also trying to try and determine a way to present sensory information in a way that makes sense and is relevant. Right. Um, 
I, I, I love spider right, from do you. sort of a data collection standpoint and from an R and D perspective they're incredibly useful. But I kinda I'm not much I'm not sure they're really that interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, and mm. I don't think they always capture the depth that can be in a cheese. And so mm-hmm. I have a few concepts that I've been toying with and I'm not the most artistic, but I've got a few pages of my notebook mm-hmm. that I've been sort of using different colored markers of my kids um, and <laughs> drawing <laughs> different ways to visualize flavor and depth and intensity and uh-huh. complexity. So uh-huh. um, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Well, my, how many examples are there of taste profiles already? I mean, can you, right, can you borrow one? Right, for cheese, yeah, um, at large. Not, not really that many. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's the spider graph. As I've, as I've dug into the world of cheddar mm-hmm. and more for my role at Grafton Village Cheese and less mm-hmm. for this project, but just to kind of understand more about the world of cheddar, there's definitely a lot of really important and useful historical and ongoing sensory work happening for cheddar, but um, a lot of it is is sort of language and scale-based, right? You know, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lexicon for cheddar in the way that there's really not for other types of cheese, but that lexicon really applies to block cheddar as opposed to, uh, you know, sort of raw milk or bandaged right. mm-hmm. um, cheddars. So. Now, I noticed that more uh, cheddars from England are raw milk, and they often use animal rennet. It had is that do all your cheeses fit that profile? Uh, yeah, I think that definitely contributes to complexity. Mm-hmm. But so here, there is this this issue, and um, it's definitely something I plan to spend more time digging into. I wasn't even aware of it really um, until my first trip. Mm-hmm. But there's this issue of TB um, and badgers. Um, mm-hmm. And it, there's it's it's very complicated because badgers are a protected species. Um, mm-hmm. They're also known and um, heavy carriers of tuberculosis. Yeah. And so, there if you're a farmer who's milking cows, yeah. you you can't kill a badger on your farm because it's a protected species. But they also can infect any number of cows on your farm. Oh. Um, and if if you have any positive TB tests then you have to pasteurize your milk. Um, oh, oh. So, so you will see periods for some cheese oh, makers when they include this happened at Holden Farm, it's happened at hmm. Montgomery's, I believe, as well. But, again, I, don't quote me on that. When um, they have to but, pasteurize for a while. How long? Uh, it depends on this, on the um, the testing, and depends oh. on um, huh. there's a lot of factors there. It can be upwards of a year, though, is my wow. understanding. So that must I'm, be I'm trying to dig into that further and, well, and have some okay. more concrete information this summer for the presentation. But it is yeah. a facet of English bandage cheddars that yeah. um, I don't think it really gets commented on very much. And for yeah. the most part, for dairy, it's definitely a hot topic in dairy, but mm-hmm. when you're already pasteurizing your milk, um, it doesn't necessarily change what you do. Mm-hmm. You have to Generally, most farms will then have to sell that cow, and you get a certain rate, and my mm-hmm. understanding is that it's not um, the best rate for that cow. Right. So if you're a big farm and you have a big outbreak of TB, it can be pretty damaging. Uh, but yeah, oh. it, it's a very complicated issue. There's environmental, um, you know, it, it, the, the fact, you know, the, the pres- preservation element yeah. to it. So, is it talked about more in England? Definitely, yeah. yeah I, mean, I yeah. think it came up among uh-huh. uh, talking with everyone there, uh-huh. um, especially those who are, you know, dealing with the farming side of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's mm-hmm. it, it's a hot topic, and I, there's definitely resources and information and you know BBC mm-hmm. news articles about it. But, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to 
interviewing everyone and, and getting going deeper yeah. into that. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like it could be a whole topic in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I I certainly didn't know anything about it, yeah. and uh, maybe cheesemongers do. I mean, maybe right. I'm out of touch with what cheesemongers mm. are aware of or what's mm. kind of communicated over the pond. But um, it is it's a pretty fascinating subject, huh. and it's not really cheese related in the right, sense right. In, in, in the sense that you know you and I are used to talking about right. cheese, but right. it is it has impacts yeah. that yeah. have ripple effects. Well, Vince, I want to thank you so much for thank sharing you, your research uh, progress with us. On Cutting the Curd. It's delightful. I can't wait to see your presentation in Pittsburgh at ACS. I can't wait to see you there. It's been too long. <laughs> yes, it has. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye, Diane. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Ever wonder what kind of podcast Julia Child would have made? Probably would have been one where she introduced you to all of her latest discoveries and favorite people. And that's exactly the tradition we're following on Inside Julia's Kitchen, podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. Join me, Todd Shulkin, your host, and the Foundation's Executive Director, as I bring you inside the Foundation's world to meet the bright lights of today's food universe, just as Julia used to do from her own famous kitchen. New episodes air on Heritage Radio Network, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. Listen in.